Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host, and I greet you with Christ is Risen for the last time, at least for the last time for this Paschal season. Hopefully I will always be able to greet you for many more years to come, many more Paschal seasons to come with that wonderful greeting, Christ is Risen. However, for now, for this season, we end at least the resurrection part of this season this week with the celebration of the ascension of our Lord into heaven. The Paschal season totally ends in a few more weeks when we celebrate Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection. But now it's 40 days, it will be 40 days after the resurrection, in which we celebrate Christ's ascension into heaven. Before we go any further, I want to acknowledge just a couple of people who have written to us very generously, very nicely, and we really, really appreciate that. I'd like to acknowledge Jim, who's serving time in prison and was kind enough to write to us a very nice letter, and he is in Syosset, New York. So Jim, serving prison in Syosset, New York, thank you for your letter. And Jim was looking for someone to be a bit of a pen pal to him. So I'll be considering that and maybe passing his letter on, his request on to other people. He's especially wanting to be friends uh, like a pen pal with a priest or monk or someone like that. So I'll be working on that, Jim. It's a very nice request, very good request, and I do appreciate your letter. So once again, Jim, we're saying hello to you and Christ is risen. We really value here at Light of the East, very, very much so. We really value and are very touched by the fact that we have outreach to those who are serving in prison. And in this way, I have the privilege, the privilege of living out that gospel passage in Matthew that says that our way to heaven will be paved by our charity, which includes visiting those in prison. So I get to visit you in prison in a certain way through the miracle of radio. And I really, really appreciate that. I'm very humbled by that, honored to do that. And I pray for all of you. I cannot always get back to you as often as you'd like, although I appreciate your letters and your connection with us. Be sure that we're praying for all of you, especially those of you who are serving prison. Also, I'd like to acknowledge the kindness and the very nice letter from William, William Coffrin from Akron, Ohio. William, I want to thank you for writing to us. We really, really appreciate hearing from all of you, all of your listeners here at Light of the East. So once again, William from Akron, thank you and God bless you and Christ is risen to you. Well, as I mentioned, we're moving through this Paschal season and we're coming upon the Ascension. But there's always the question, though, when we come to the Paschal season, and sometimes Christmas too, but mostly the Paschal season, there's always that question of 
well, what calendar are you on? Are you celebrating Easter or the you know Pascha on the Gregorian calendar, or is it on the so-called old calendar, namely the Julian calendar, where most of the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox churches celebrate Pascha, but the, many of the Eastern Catholic churches, most of them, there's a few that celebrate it on the Julian calendar as well, but most of the time, the Eastern Catholics celebrate Easter and Christmas and the major feast days on the Gregorian calendar. But it's always an interesting question, and that question was asked of us here at Light of the East by a listener, Joshua Gravy, Grevy, spelled G-R-E-V-E, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not, but Joshua. Joshua sends us some very encouraging and kind remarks, but also some wonderful questions. And because the issue of the calendar can be a bit of a brain buster, and you have to know some history and even some mathematics if you really get into it. It's really amazing. They talk about these calendars in terms literally of minutes and seconds, believe it or not. (laughs) That's why they've changed over the centuries, the calendars. Different people have changed the calendars, whether it was emperors or popes. So what I did was I turned the questions that Joshua had I turned them over to an expert friend of mine. His name is Father David Petrus. He's a very well-known liturgist, liturgical theologian for our church. Proud to say he's part of my church, the Byzantine Catholic Ruthenian Church. Father David is retired now, but he still does a lot of work in teaching and writing and just being a great source of wisdom and scholarship for all of us, all of us younger priests. Now, I'm 61, but I'm younger than he is. He was one of my first professors in the seminary, so he's, in a sense, one of my mentors and still is. So Father David, very generously, and as only he can do with all of his great scholarship and wisdom, handled these questions very, very thoroughly. And I think in a way that we can understand for the most part, as I mentioned, this whole calendar question can be very brain-busting. So here's what Father David said. I'm going to credit all this information to Father David. I'm not going to take any credit for it because I knew that it would require an expertise beyond my own. But I will communicate what Father David wrote to me. He said this. He said, the calendar is always a difficult question just as I said. (laughs) Ecumenically-minded Byzantine Catholics are of the opinion we should celebrate Pascha together with the Orthodox. Of course, that would be very good. But the Orthodox follow the Julian calendar for Pascha, giving rise to three problems. The Julian calendar is no longer accurate. The vernal equinox, that's the spring equinox, Now, by scientific observation, indeed, even by casual observation, now occurs on April 3rd. Isn't that interesting? Number two, wherefore most thoughtful Orthodox now advocate accepting the Gregorian calendar, the Orthodox consultation held in Aleppo, Syria, in 1997, offered a compromise that basically included acceptance of the Gregorian calendar. On our theological consultation here in North America, they have endorsed this as well. There is a North American theological consultation that occurs between the Orthodox representatives and the Catholic representatives, and Father David Petrus is a part of that. So that consultation has accepted or endorsed the choice of the Gregorian calendar. However, as Father David said here, most thoughtful Orthodox, although advocating the Gregorian calendar, the Orthodox consultation in 1997 offered a compromise that basically included acceptance of the Gregorian calendar. And number three, to go back to the Julian calendar really would not be progress, according to Father David's opinion and those of other theologians. There is an anomaly, Father David says, in the Greek Catholic Church, meaning the Byzantine Catholic Church, and in the Orthodox Church in America. Now, I'm going to stop here one second, because sometimes this gets confusing. Many times, Roman Catholics, or people who aren't familiar with the Byzantine or Eastern Catholic Churches at all, 
They often confuse that word orthodox. They call Eastern Catholics orthodox or orthodox Catholics or Byzantine Orthodox Catholics or various forms thereof. (laughs) But I want to be very clear about something. The Orthodox churches, capital O, are those churches which are from the Eastern perspective, the Eastern traditions, the Eastern lung of the church, but they are not in communion with Rome, with the Pope of Rome, and the Pope is not in communion with them. So they are called Orthodox churches. They're churches that are from the Orthodox churches, that came from the Orthodox churches, but reunited with Rome and Rome with them, starting in the 15th and 16th centuries, are what we know as the Eastern Catholic churches, sometimes even called Greek Catholic churches. So whenever we use the word Orthodox, it means those Eastern churches who are not in communion with Rome and Rome not in communion with them. Notice how I say it both ways. It's very important to say that because neither one is the bad guy. Notice we don't refer to the Orthodox as schismatics. They sometimes would use that term in relation to them, but that's not the truth. That's not the historical truth. East and West split from each other. It wasn't where one of them was the bad boy and they ran out and left home, ran away, as though they are the prodigal son. Neither one is like that they both split from each other. So that's why I always say that they're not in union with one another. Okay, some more from Father David. There is an anomaly in the Greek church and in the Orthodox church in America, which has gone to the Gregorian calendar for fixed days, but stays on the Julian calendar for movable feasts. So as far as I know, most Greek Catholics or Byzantine Catholics in Europe stay on the old Julian calendar, though some Catholic churches in North America are still on the old calendar. All Orthodox churches are on the old calendar for movable feasts, except for some isolated parishes in Europe and the Church of Finland, and this because it's mandated by the government. So, You see what I mean? This is a brain-busting subject. (laughs) That's why I turned it over to someone who has a great brain, a great mind, Father David Petrus. Now, Joshua made some comments to this, which are, are very informative as well. He said, the hybrid calendar is actually quite common among many Eastern Orthodox in America, meaning where they have some feast days on the Gregorian calendar, some on the Julian calendar. In fact, Joshua says, it is the norm among the three largest jurisdictions here, the Orthodox Church of America, the Antiochian Archdiocese, and the Greek Orthodox Church, as your theologian friend mentioned. We call this hybrid calendar the new calendar, and the other one that is always 13 days behind the old calendar, interestingly, my parish is under the Moscow Patriarchate, almost all of whose parishes follow the old calendar. But we are one of the few who opted to follow the new calendar. This means we celebrate Christmas Dormition, which is the assumption in the Western Church, on the same day as you, but Pascha on the same day as the rest of the Orthodox faithful. All right, there's another point here from Father David. Contrary to popular opinion, Christmas is not on January 7th in the Julian calendar. As your listener seems to think, Contrary to popular opinion, Christmas is not on January 7th in the Julian calendar. The dispute is not over what date Christmas falls, but when December 25th actually is. You get that? I told you this is brain-busting, but (laughs) in other words, January 7th, what the people who follow the Gregorian calendar would say is December 25th, ends up being January 7th. But for those who follow the Julian calendar, January 7th is December 25th in that calendar. Hopefully that was somewhat clear. (laughs) 
We'll talk more about this rather complicated issue when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by writing a check to Light of the East and mail it to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wheelcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're trying to tackle this question of the differences in calendars, Julian and Gregorian calendar, which this issue may be just a little bit overdue because we have already are coming through the Paschal season. That's usually when this question arises, is who and when do different churches celebrate Pascha or Easter? <laughs> so we're trying to... Uh, move, kind of slog through that with the help of our great liturgical theologian, Father David Petrus, from my own church. As something else Father David points out here is the real blockage, actually, in this whole discussion of getting all the churches on the same calendar is the Russian church. The Gregorian calendar was imposed on the nation of Russia by the communist government, and therefore, for at least the next two generations, it will be viewed as an aggressive action by the atheistic communist government. So that's another reason why the Russian Orthodox Church would have a resistance to it. 
Another point Father David makes is the really sad thing is that the Orthodox world resisted the Gregorian calendar for so long because it was proposed by, of all things, a schismatic Catholic pope. England did the same for the same reasons until 1752. So that's just a little bit of information. I don't know whether that makes the <laughs> makes it more clear or more complicated in your mind, but it is an issue that takes a lot of scholastic, perhaps even mathematical expertise, but also a lot of ecumenical expertise and a lot of patience and lots of long suffering. It would be great if we could all be on the same calendar, but we're getting there. And for right now, the important thing is we're all celebrating and coming to the conclusion of the Paschal season, in which we all, East and West, are saying Christ is risen. In one form or another, we are proclaiming that Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. So I want to thank Joshua again for his questions and his, his comments on the comments by Father David Petrus. And I want to thank Father David Petrus for his scholastic contribution here to this complicated question. Also this week now, as we come towards the 40 days, the 40-day conclusion of the resurrection period, we come to that period of the ascension, we also have in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, here we are with the calendar again, (laughs) the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we have also, in fact, it's tomorrow, May 11th, the Feast of St. Cyril and Methodius. St. Cyril Methodius were Greek-speaking Byzantine brothers. Cyril was a monk. Eventually, Methodius became a bishop. But they also had in their heritage a connection with the Slavic people. So they were sent to evangelize the Slavic people, the people where my personal ancestry comes, my particular church, the Ruthenian church. There are a number of other Slavic jurisdictions as well who also take their Christianity from Cyril Methodius. Now, this happened in the 9th century, about 864 A.D., They went up into the Slavic lands from the area of of Greece and through Macedonia, and they evangelized the Slavic people. At the time, the Slavic people had a language, which we know today as Church Slavonic or Old Slavonic. It's basically the mother tongue from which most of the Slavic languages came. It's just used in church right now. It's no longer the spoken language. But they took that Slavonic language, and they actually made up an alphabet for it based on the Greek alphabet. That's why if you've ever seen the alphabet or words written in Russian or other Slavic languages, and really, and you really look at them, they bear resemblance to some of the Greek letters. That's because that's what Cyril Methodius had at the time. And so they used that and modified it to make up this, what we call the Cyrillic alphabet, which of course is from St. Cyril, because he was smart enough and had enough initiative to do that. So the Slavic people could then read the scriptures. They could read the liturgical texts that were being taught to them by Cyril Methodius. They had a spoken language, as I mentioned, but not a written language. Well, Sir Methodius were very cutting edge at that time because they were putting the worship in the language of the people, in other words, the vernacular. And that did not happen in the Western Church until the Second Vatican Council, which was in the early 1960s. Everything had to be in Latin in the Western Church. Now, there can be Mass, of course, in the Western Church in the vernacular languages of the various cultures. But at the time, this was unheard of. And in fact, Sir Methodius got into a lot of trouble. There was a lot of resistance. In fact, they had to be dragged before the Pope of Rome to defend their action. It was considered to be almost heretical or blasphemous to have the worship, the liturgical language in anything but Latin at the time or Greek. But the Pope, as Popes are wont to do, 
came in and settled everything and gave the right perspective on the issue. And the right perspective was that, in fact, it was okay for Sermothodius to put the liturgy, the scriptures, in the language of the Slavic people. And the Slavic languages, they still are used today, especially Old Slavonic, but it's more and more rare. It's the mother tongue of my own church, but although many people ask me this, are your services in English? And the answer is yes, they're largely in English. I mean, almost 90%, 95%. It kind of depends on which parish you're in. But we always use a little touch. We always reach back there and stay connected with the Slavonic language. But by and large, the services in the Byzantine Catholic Church, the Ruthenian jurisdiction, that's mine, are largely in English, almost entirely in English. Sermothodius were very courageous, and as I mentioned, cutting edge in doing this. And as a result, centuries later, I'm proud to say, St. John Paul II, while he was the Pope John Paul II, declared Cyril and Methodius to be co-patrons of Europe, along with, you know who, that's right, Benedict, St. Benedict, the great monastic. Now, this is very interesting. I think it's very significant, especially for our purposes here on Light of the East. We are committed to ecumenism here, to the unity between East and West. We present the riches of both lungs of the church, primarily, of course, the riches of the Eastern churches. And this is why the figures of St. Benedict and St. Cyril Methodius are significant to us. And it's significant that St. John Paul II chose Cyril Methodius to be co-patrons with Benedict. The reason it's significant, well, first of all, in the case of Cyril Methodius, it should be a little bit obvious because they were Byzantine. And here you have these Byzantine Christians who are evangelizing a good part of Europe. And so the Pope declares them to be co-patrons of Europe, which means that Pope John Paul II was acknowledging the significance of the Eastern Lung of the Church. But also with Benedict, St. Benedict basically was Eastern monasticism brought to the West. St. Benedict basically followed the monastic life, the rules of St. Basil the Great, who was a great monk of the Eastern Church and a father of the Eastern Church. He developed a certain rule or way of life for monastics, and Benedict took basically that rule and took it to the West. Many time you do that, there's also going to be other developments and modifications, as is natural. So the monasticism in the West developed from there, but it started with St. Benedict who was influenced by the Eastern monasticism. So in seeing Benedict and also St. Sermothodius as co-patrons together of Europe, what we're seeing is, a, I think, a very, very significant affirmation or acknowledgement of how the church, as St. John Paul II would say, breathes with both lungs, East and West. Because these patrons of Europe and co-patrons of Europe, these three men, these three great saints, Although they brought Christianity to the Western world, the Western part of Europe, at the same time, they had roots in the East, and the two then converged. So we have a continent, a Christian continent of Europe, breathing with both lungs. And I think John Paul II did a great service to the church by acknowledging that, by affirming these three, Benedict, Cyril, and Methodius, as co-patrons of Europe. Something very close to my heart and something very significant for us here at Light of the East because it's very much a part of our mission of unity in the church between East and West. Now, as I mentioned, we finally culminate the resurrectional calendar of the church with the Feast of the Ascension of our Lord 
into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. In the Eastern churches, we do keep that feast on Thursday, on Ascension Thursday. It does not move to Sunday, although it has what we call a post-festive, so we still celebrate it on Sunday. The liturgical texts refer to the Ascension as well as the resurrection. And one of the most significant aspects of the Ascension is articulated, as always for us in the Eastern Church, from the liturgical text. And listen to this particular text. In fact, I'm actually going to refer to two texts, and they're from the Vespers and Matin services for Ascension Thursday in the Byzantine Church. It says, The heavens prepared his throne, and the clouds were his ladder. The angels marveled at the sight of a human being more exalted than themselves. Isn't that incredible? A human being is more exalted than the angels. Why? Because that human nature was a nature of Christ's human nature, brought to the very throne of heaven. Then it says this, when you fulfilled the plan of salvation for us and united all things on earth to those in heaven, O Christ our God, you ascended in glory, never leaving us, but remaining ever present. For you proclaim to those who love you, I am with you and no one else has power over you. And that is the great message of hope as we approach the ascension of our Lord in heaven. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Now you can hear podcasts of Light of the East and never miss a program. And if you wish, hear one again and again and again. How is this possible, you may ask? Just visit byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And click on the Light of the East tab. There you'll find Light of the East programs for listening or download and a link to a Light of the East iTunes subscription. Now you can hear Light of the East for the first time all over again, again, anytime you want. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Willcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.